You have to build trust, right? I, I always thought that people buy from the person that knows the most about what's going on. And if all things are equal, then the one who they've been able to build a relationship with. Conversations are at the heart of everything we do. But how do you turn a conversation into revenue? Welcome to B2B EQ, a podcast from Unifor. I'm your host, Tim Harris. Join me as I interview business leaders and market makers to learn how to move deals forward, scale best practices, and establish relationships that create value and grow revenue. Let's get started. Welcome to the next episode of B2B EQ, where we connect the dots between the soft skills that are driving revenue and making a difference in companies today. Today's guest is a former CEO and chairman at EchoPass before being acquired by Genesis in 2013, a collaborative team leader, coach, motivator, and mentor. His expertise is in providing business strategy to mid-market and enterprise companies with deep knowledge of financial services, cloud technology, contact center, and sales industries. He spent his career influencing change while introducing new products and solutions to enterprise customers around the globe. Managing partner at Help You Win Consulting, Vincent Vin Deschamps. Vin, great to have you on, sir. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here with you. Hey, always fun. We've gotten to work together in a few different capacities. And when starting this show, you're one of the executives that came top of mind. You've published things in the past on EQ. I want you to get into a little later on some of your foundational and fundamental pieces that you bring into companies talking about values and integrity. But first, I'm going to kick it off. In B2B sales, what's the one soft skill that you've seen create the biggest impact on relationships and revenue? You know, I think, Tim, uh, being a good listener and um, having empathy, I think when... um, in these days, you really need to focus on what's in it for the customer. And um, without empathy um, and a deep understanding, if you will, of feelings, not to get too touchy-feely right here, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are not able to build a relationship. Um, so I would say uh, empathy, humility. Um, one of the questions I ask uh uh, when we're interviewing for salespeople or sales leaders is, um, you know, to try and find out if they have the courage to admit when they're wrong, because the last thing you need is for um, uh, somebody to be on your team or interact with a customer and, um, and think that they just know it all. Um, you know, we know what they want. Question is, what does a customer want? or the prospect want, and how do we figure out how collectively we can come to an agreement together? I think you hit on something there when it comes to that mutual plan of action. More and more in enterprise sales, it's becoming, I'm not just showing you my wares as a salesperson. The person's already educated on the other end, and they have an idea of their challenges and their needs. How have you worked with enterprise buyers in the past to to kind of surface some of those concerns on their side to really understand or put yourself in the, in the shoes of that customer? Well, you know, we, we know what we want, which is we want to sell our product or our service. What we don't know is what's in it for the customer. So 
one of the things I think that's critical in engaging with a with a prospect, um, especially at, at the high end Fortune 500 level, even Fortune 1000, is what's their objective, um, and uh, what are they trying to accomplish? Because we might be, if I go back to EcoPass days, we might be thinking that we're going to implement an entire call center in the cloud for them. And when we get to the C-level and we ask people, what do you want to uh, accomplish? Um, we'll be really, you can be really surprised at what they have to say. They may say, hey, look, uh, I've got five years left here. And the last thing I want to do is to ruin my reputation. You know, so somebody might be motivated more by fear than by greed. And if you're in there pitching, hey, here's all the things that um, your company's going to be able to do in the future, when indeed, um, if you listen, you may find out that, hey, listen, we don't care if it takes six months or a year to implement, we just can't afford to go backwards. So I think the, you know, the ability to listen and the ability to understand what's in it for the customer. And the last thing anybody needs today is a new vendor. Mm -hmm. That's that's true. It's it's more work as, as we've discussed. I want to go back to something though on, on, on a point that you made. You're not just talking about the account level or the company at that point. You're actually talking to that signatory, that person that's going to be your champion or be the person that's actually closing the deal. And I was on a call this morning. Somebody had said, you know, the real reason they want to purchase is just because that individual doesn't want to be at the office till midnight. They want to get home by five o'clock and see their family. Right. Right. It's well, really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And Tim, that's 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 what you get when you when you listen and, and you know when you you have to build trust, right? I, I always thought that people buy from the person that knows the most about what's going on and if all things are equal, then the one who they've been able to build a relationship with. So it's not about let's just be buddies and, uh, you know, uh, I'll take you to dinner and we can get drunk together. Um, it, it really is. Um, I mean, it starts and that's why I said empathy and humility, because it starts with the ability to build trust. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I was asked by a major insurance company to come in and talk to their executives because as a smaller company, we were the only smaller company that ever got to the sea level and, uh, you know, had a, uh, 11,000 11, seat implementation in this insurance company. And they asked me to come in and talk to the executives about how did we do this? Um, you know, we've never had a vendor, uh, be able to pull this kind of a situation off. So I went in there and um, stopped and got some sanitary gloves, uh, you know, got 50 people in a room together and walked around to everybody in the room and put my hands up against their hands. Um, you can do this virtually with me, Tim. Yeah. And, um, and I just pushed a little. Yeah. And what you find when you're hand to hand is the natural tendency is to push back. And so my, I started my, um, if you will, uh, dissertation on what it's like to be a small company dealing with a monster corporation by saying, look, if anybody pushes 
you're going to get pushback. So we try and we try and listen. Um, and then I asked him uh, while I was up at a whiteboard to you know just yell out things that are part of a personal relationship other than um, the intimate pieces to it. And, and you know what what I heard was you know trust, confidence, um, honesty, um, uh, willingness to not be right all the time. Um, you think about marriage, those things kind of pop up in that situation. And so after they, after we had a list of probably 15 things on the, on the wall, I said, okay, let's cross off the ones that don't count for a business relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody in the room was silent. And one of the senior folks said, wow, I see your point. There's really not a lot of difference between a personal relationship and a business relationship. And I find that that's one of the things that surprises people, you know, when you, when you think about it, because just the use of the word vendor versus partner. And um, one of the guys in the back of the room, you know, stood up and said, Hey, look, I'm responsible for vendor management. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change the sign tomorrow to partner management because a vendor you have to manage, a partner you expect to manage themselves. And so I think if you don't have emotional intelligence and the ability to understand where somebody's head is and um, what they're really trying to um, tell you or or shut up and listen, you know, big ears, little mouth, um, it's difficult, um, you know, to get past it. Because some people, you know, the the immediate thing they want to do is just talk about their product or talk about their service. Um, And um, rather than try and discover what's in it for the customer and uh, why would you, why would you want to do this? That's why I say, you know, I think you can, I think you can teach emotional intelligence if the person is willing to change their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, our personalities are formed by the time we're 25. And from that point on, the only thing you can do is change your behavior. And that has to be a voluntary, uh, you know, activity, a, a natural uh, desire to do that. So when I when I think about, you know, skills that salespeople need to have, it's um, the ability, we could say the ability to be honest you you can't if you are unwilling to admit when you're incorrect then you don't have the ability to be honest so you know i think it's i think it's one of those things where again big ears little mouth um is a good way is a good way to describe it but um you know trying to read the room much more difficult um when you're uh, when you're just on an audio call, much more difficult even on a even on a Zoom call. But you know you can probe and ask the the questions. You know e- even from a standpoint of how you doing today, and find mm-hmm. out that uh, you know I'm I'm really miserable today because you know I smashed my car on the way into work. Hey, why don't we reschedule this for tomorrow? You know, um, so really looking at it from the lens of the customer i think is is what you're talking about as well it's putting yourself in their shoes which in a time where we have constant quota and constant activity metrics and all of those things we get caught in the rat race to maybe slow down and 
as you're saying, empathize. Indeed. And, and I think that's, that's, uh, that's a skill that, um, isn't always learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a critical skill. Um, you know, I, I think when we, when we look into this whole area of, of emotional intelligence, um, or EQ, for me, it's about having, um, the ability to understand what you want and understand what the customer wants. Um, you know, I, I once, uh, when I was a GM at Lucent, um, went into the uh, CEO and said, hey, look, I want to I show you, you know, we've got this tremendous infrastructure and below that we have our products and below that we have our applications and down at the bottom, we've got the customer that we're going to serve. And the CEO said to me, I agree with everything you just said, except you got it upside down. You got to turn that upside down. and It's the customer up at the top. And while I knew that, you know, as somebody, as a GM responsible for product and revenue, you know, I'm thinking about what, what things I need to address. Mm-hmm. It was a subtle it was a subtle change, but a big change in, in terms of when he said, turn it upside down. And, you know, again, ever, ever since then, I never put a chart together that doesn't have the customer up on top. Yeah, that's a good learning lesson. And true, because it's like changing. I always take, um, is it Stephen Covey? I think it's the um, seven laws. And, and he talks about, we all have our lens that we see the world with. And sometimes when we can change that lens a little bit or put somebody else's lens on for a minute and see it through their eyes. We, we have a little more clarity. We can. Yeah, well, you know, and it, I think in sales, um, uh, you know, God, I remember back to my, you know, early days in, in selling and I put together a, a great proposal for a computer system and was in talking to the decision maker and he stopped me um part of the way through my presentation, he said, you know, this is an excellent presentation. He said, but the way you were taking your notes, I'm just so surprised that you really came out with a great presentation. And so I started to um, get defensive and say, well, what do you mean? I, you know, I, I, I took notes and, and the guy stopped me and said, you want this order or not? And so Again, you know, it, it's uh, you, you only you only learn from uh, things that uh, didn't go as planned. Um, you learn very little from success. Um, you learn much more from uh, situations you've been involved in that are less than success. And, and I think in the less than success category, it's generally when, you know, ego gets in the way or um uh, or you're just not uh, paying attention or listening, or you're you're so in, involved with all the other issues you have, like you said, quota um, and everything else, and you just fail to listen and think about what it is you want, because whatever you want, you're going to project um, to them. And if that is a negative, then um, you're, uh, you're going to be, you know, presenting that negative as well. The, one of our former guests, Ethan Butte, he talked about how we're all hardwired to protect ourselves. 
And so we can smell the the BS meter or the the self-indulgent, this is only in it for that person a million miles away. And and we've through evolution, we've become really good at that. So then how do you change that? You you have that natural ability. You said that, but how do you coach that in teams? Well, um, you know, I, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that I, uh, did a post on EQ. Um, uh, so I, I do think you can learn. Um, and I do think, um, it starts with, um, your ability to realize that we all have an aura that we project. Um, and, um, you know, my, my kids and I joke about, um, when we're when we're with my wife, their mom, and uh, we have a discussion about um, something that she gives us the mommy face, and we turn to her and say, "Okay, you don't agree with what we want to do here," and she tries to deny it. And then now there's three of us because it used to be just me. Now there's three of us saying, "No, no, you gave us the mommy face. We know you don't really. We know you don't really approve of this idea." or, or like this idea. Um, so when I, when I was thinking about putting an article or a post together for, uh, EQ, um, you know, I, I kind of reverted back to, uh, a book that somebody gave me back in 2003, um, called, excuse me, your life is waiting, which is all about feelings. So if you take, you know, empathy, um, to another level and get down to the basics of, feelings. Um, and I'm going to apply this to, from a business standpoint, um, you, you have the ability to project your feelings. You project what you're thinking about what you want. Um, you're also projecting what you think about that you don't want. And, and my example of, you know, when people say, well, no, I never project my feelings or anything else. Uh, you know, I say to them, look, have you ever thought about a friend and then a second later they call. Yep. Why do you think that happened? Do you, you think that's just coincidental? And maybe it, maybe it happened. And matter of fact, I've, I've asked that of a, of an individual that I, that doesn't show any feelings. And they said to me, no, no, I've never had anybody call me like that. I said, okay, well, there you go. So I think if you, <laughs> if you are thinking about what you want, you're going to get it. If you're thinking about a don't want, and um, and again, if you so I do think you can learn mm -hmm. to be in tune with your feelings. And I think the more you are in tune with your feelings, the more you can pick up what somebody else is feeling and um, and 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 then be able to, you know, look at that and say, you know, I, I mentioned this and, you know, you didn't seem like you either thought it was a good idea or understood it. And the person will go, Oh yeah, no, that's, I, I, I thought it was a good idea or yeah, you're right. I, I didn't. So you become acutely aware, but I think you can, you can learn to interpret other people's expressions. Mm -hmm. You can learn to um, uh, understand, um, you know, words are critically important. Um, I always tell people that, you know, my great example of how you can put two words, same words together to mean two different things is whether you're talking about a, um, uh, a Venetian blind mm -hmm. or blind Venetian. 
And, you know, there's two different, same words, put them in a different order, mean something totally different. So when you, when you start to think about in life, you get what you want and you need to be able to control your, your thoughts and your feelings on that. You become acutely aware when you're in a meeting and you're strategizing about an account mm-hmm. and your VP of sales says to you, well, we don't want them to talk about this and we don't want them to talk about that. And I stop them into tracks and say, if you're thinking that in a meeting, somebody's reading that on you. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I, and, and again, I mean, this is, um, I love the fact that, that EQ is now a popular conversation because otherwise it was just, you know, touchy feely kind of, you know, um, sensitivity and, and everything else versus, Hey, wait a minute. You know, this is, uh, this is science. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, and it's emotion that we have to understand it. We have to manage it and we have to use it to our advantage. Well, and it's amazing to hear somebody with your background validate that and, and say that because it is a squishy topic. It's been a squishy topic for managers and how to coach it and how to train it. It's a, it's the, the woo woo. Like you talked about, Oh, we're going to talk about feelings today right? Let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about the emails we sent and the things we did. But right. those feelings are what drive action. You know, the the stat that I recently read that, that was worrisome, and I just had somebody kind of validate it that they were surprised it was even that low, was that 95% of sellers feel frustrated, tired, burnt out. Now, I'm not speaking for all of them, but that's a Gartner statistic. What's fascinating there is as we look at this and we talk into this topic of EQ, if they feel that way, how's that projecting then on the customer? And then what's that doing to influence the fact that quota attainment is at an all-time low? Yeah, no, it's absolutely. A challenge. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's, um, you know, uh, I can understand that, you know, um, and again, I don't want to get into the, you know, uh, men, women difference in terms of emotion, but I certainly, um, you know, without understanding all the feeling stuff, uh, probably back in the, um, late eighties, early nineties, um, I started to find that, um, adding women to the sales team, um, uh, brought about a, a whole different dynamic. Um, uh, and, um, and I found that they were more, and again, my wife kill me if she hears this, but they were more sensitive. Um, hey, and, uh, and now sensitivity is a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and I recognize that, you know, look, if I compare EQ to IQ, I've always believed that if you're willing to work twice as hard, as the next person and you're only half as smart, you're going to do just as well. And if you're more than half as smart, you're going to do a, a tremendous job. So IQ's never been, um, uh, you know, top of mind. Uh, uh, at one time I hired um, a number of uh, uh, engineers out of AT&T because we were developing voice products for speech recognition many, many, many decades ago. And um, I hired three PhDs um, from there, um, smartest guys, created all kinds of patents, but I couldn't take them in front of a customer. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, uh, because they would want to talk about the risks <laughs> rather than the <laughs> rewards. Uh, so uh, I'm a big believer in um, I'm a big believer in this subject. Um, I think at at various points in our lives we've tried to um, you know deal with emotional issues intellectually uh, and uh, and avoid them. Um, but I think it's uh, you know it teaches you something. That's why I think humility is a is an important factor. You know when I tell people that. Um, my wife and I've been married for 40 years and I'm still in training. Some of them will say, well, don't tell that to my wife. Uh, Cause I'm really in training. And I'm like, yeah, you're in training. You just don't admit that you're in training. So, you know, again, if I go back to the sensitivity um, issue and the ability to do it, and I know if I relate that to, you know, what you guys are doing over at Unifor with your, your uh, relentless focus on, you know, how do, how do we how do we add value to what we're trying to do with um with customers or callers or video conference and that and that kind of thing the ability to um understand emotion mm-hmm. understand feelings um you know figure out okay how much of that can we pick up on um versus um hey we need a human to be able to uh, to push the button, you know, and um, and to do those and do those kind of things, but I do think it's an area, um, you know, that, and again, I think we're, we're the economy's down right now, so we're certainly in an area where, uh, you know, people are into um, let me do more with less, uh, so automation is you know top of mind uh, in that, but you can't replace people with AI. Um, you can replace repetitive situations, um, but you can't necessarily replace the, the human's ability to, um, what did they really mean? Um, you know, can point out that, hey, here's an anomaly that you need to address, but you know, that vibe, that feeling that gut, um, uh, an ex-CEO friend of mine uh, used to refer to it as people have the fire in the belly Mm -hmm. in order to really want to accomplish what what they want to accomplish. So uh, again, I think because the world doesn't need any more, and the companies, Fortune 500 companies, the last thing they need is a new vendor. The existing vendors are trying to get in there and bring other people in to solidify their point. And maybe that creates good partnering. But even if you have good partnering, you have to have a relationship built on trust and um, integrity. Um, you know, and you've heard me, integrity, fairness, and communication. Yep. It's the name of the game and it's the basics, regardless of industry. Yeah, well, those are the values that you've, brought into organizations that I've worked with you at. Um, you know, I, I look back your time at Echo Pass, over a thousand customers, less than 13 years. That's an amazing hockey stick of growth for for people on the line thinking, oh, what's Vin's background? Where has he been? You've done it, you've sold it, you've seen it. And I think what's interesting is you're talking to both customer relationships and partnerships in selling an organization to a larger company, right? It's selling to Genesis, there had to have been a lot of trust built 
in the partnership there as well. So what did you see that made the difference, kind of gave you that ability to connect with enterprise buyers and kind of made the difference as you were on that growth journey? Well, you know, a, a good question. I, I, you know, I think in in any um, in any situation, uh, you know, how were we successful at penetrating the the marketplace? Um, you've got to have um, one person from each company that truly believes that this makes sense. Okay, now you could talk about that as that's a driver or that's, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're disruptive, right? And, and it, when we were um, a cloud company and Genesis was an on-prem company, um, you know, it was, uh, well, if we can't sell them on-prem, then we'll turn it over to you and you could sell them in the cloud. Um, and uh, and we kind of went down that, we kind of went down that path um, you know, so here's the, you get the rejects. Um, I, I can't close this person. They don't have enough money. Let's go get them into a, a cloud solution. Um, you know, whereas, well, maybe we should have started there in the first place, um, you know, in that, in that situation. And I think what, uh, if you, to be specific on that one subject, you know, what, what changed was when we were able to bring in huge fortune 500 companies um uh or we were even in a competitive situation with an on-prem solution and we won um you know i i think that got everybody's attention and, and that's typically that typically happens uh, yep. you know it, it happened to me once before um i joined a company called vmx in 1990 we um we ended up competing with Octel um, and we started to take away their uh, accounts because we built relationships and we, and we created stickiness um, and we were a necessary tool for them. So, um, you know, three years later, Octel bought us um, and um, they bought um, BMX and then four years later, Lucent purchased Octel um, and, uh, and we ended up spinning the company off, uh, called Avaya in 2001. So I joined a company that I knew I could influence that had, you know, 150 people and 11 years later found myself with 35,000 people. Um, so, you know, again, it's, but if we go back to the, the subject at hand, you have to be able to build a relationship. Yeah. You can't build a relationship without empathy, humility, um, uh, and a deep desire to understand what's in it for the other guy, um, not just what's in it for you. Do you think it's harder now more than ever, especially over virtual? I know we connected on this a little bit, but that idea of building trust, rapport, and empathy over these video calls, over a phone call. Is that a lost art or has it just gotten harder? What are you seeing I, in the market? Yeah, I, I think the bigger the ticket item, the more um, video augments face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I think during COVID, obviously, there was no face-to-face. So, you know, everybody kind of got used to it, cut budgets, uh, you know, in, uh, in that. Um, so I think video... 
um, audio is a is a good tool. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you don't really um, you find out more when you're face to face. And I know we're face to face here, but you know, and even if we had a little bottle of scotch and you're taking a sip and I'm taking a sip, it's we're we're still in in we're still in different places, right? Unless we create virtual, um, you know, then we can then we then we can actually hand the bottle to each other, you know, in that in that situation. So, you know, I, I think the bigger the ticket, the more in person becomes. I think you can sell somebody a service that's you know, 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month. Uh, and maybe you never were in their office. Um, but I think in order to, um, the bigger the ticket item, 50,000 a month, you know, a million dollar a year commitment. Um, you're then dealing with, um, do you really understand my issues do you really understand my job is on the line? Mm-hmm. If this thing goes, you know, wrong, um, I, I don't know that you can build completely that level of trust, you know, having never physically been with somebody. Although, obviously, some of the scam artists have done a good job doing that and bilking people out of a lot of money. And, you know, maybe I never showed up, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's... Um, and, and I don't consider myself old school. I consider myself, um, you know, coming to work every day, looking to learn something new. I think video is a great tool. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, uh, and we've obviously been involved in a lot of call center activity. So you've got, uh, you know, things that you just can't provide face-to-face in person. Um, but I do think since the subject is sales, I think sales, you've got to be able to press the flesh. You've got to be able to put your hands up against uh, mm-hmm. your hands and um, and see how far they want to push you. That's I like that analogy. I think that's where these EQ skills come to be even more critical because you can't necessarily create that. But I can say, you know, in the story you told today, not being woo-woo on my side, but you can sense that feeling a little bit if somebody's really good at keeping your attention, keeping you engaged, reading the room and knowing where people are. And it's a lot harder on a, on a video call to your point. You just don't get the same feedback. Well, I think, I think the subjects that you need to address, you know, you can address all the technical things. You can address the demo. You can address those things. I think one of the things that you can address that I've found to be very effective with video, even on a early you know, we're just getting to know each other things is to talk about, um, to make it personal. And when I say make it personal, um, uh, talk about, um, your core values, um, because that's a way to build trust. Um, and so, especially with fortune 500 companies, because they're all about core values. They're all about how do I keep my team and all my people from, uh, if you will, violating the core values of the company. And, um, you know, and I've found it to be very effective, even humbling um, to start a conversation with senior executives and say, listen, before we talk about our product or anything else, let me tell you what our 
core values are. And, um, you know, and, and I, I boil it down to three simple ways to say it. Integrity. The only thing we have only we can give away. Love fairness. It. There's only one level of fairness. Um, whether you are dealing with your kids or your vendor or your customer, uh, there's no multiple levels of fairness. It's either fair or it's not fair. You know, you go back to the, go back to the Bible and, you know, Hey, we're going to divide this piece of land. So Tim, you take it, you divide it up. I get first pick, right? Mm -hmm. If it's fair, then it's fair. And then communication that it's safe, honest, um, and respectful. And, um, and, um, what I've found is when you start to talk, um, and again, we're taking a higher umbrella level than even, hey, this is what our company's been in business for 97 years. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what values we have because we're trying to build trust and um, and we're trying to communicate in an honest way, hey, these are our values. And, um, and what I've no longer been surprised by is when I finish with that, two minute overview of core values will then have a five minute conversation started by the customer or the prospect of, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you said that, you know, here's our core values. We really appreciate that because, you know, they don't want, if they have integrity, they don't want to do business with somebody that doesn't have integrity. Right. And, and again, if you, um, if you start to talk about, hey, we can deliver faster than somebody else, we're lower priced than somebody else. Hey, that's not, that may not be their issue, right? I mean, yeah, those are features functionality. Yeah. Right. And for so, the right price, everyone can get those. <laughs> right. So, you know, the, the, what's harder is, if you will, to make a presence on, you know, in, in Fortune 1000, Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies, um, because, and in those companies, you're probably better off to partner with another vendor to sneak in there and then expand. Um, but, you know, you just want to be able to make sure that you have um, uh, you're, you're honest, you're humble. Um, and, and again, I think starting a conversation with core values differentiates you um, if you believe it. Uh, if you don't believe it, they won't believe it. I, I totally agree. I think it sets a foundation and you, you're reminding me there was a CEO and I'm, I'm blanking on the company, but he started with in both his hiring and his pitching to, to investors. He said, I show everybody a mission deck, mission and values. If they say, oh, okay, tell me about your product. That's amazing. I totally buy into the mission. He'd go on to the product. If they didn't, he'd, he'd walk down the road, move on. Right. Then if they bought into the product, and they had already bought into the mission and the values, then he'd say, well, well, this is how successful we are. This is our projections. This is the the business numbers, the metrics, the revenue, the those things. But I need you to buy into my product first. And before that, I need you to buy into the mission and values. However, on sales calls that I'm usually on, not everyone, it starts with product first. Then it's the revenue and the numbers. Like you said, we've been in business for 98 years. We have a thousand customers. This is why you should trust us but we never gave the mission and the value piece. We've right. lost that in most of our sales conversations. Well, I, I think part of it is because um, when people do that, they're not focused on um, 
if you will, soft skills of, um, hey, what are we, what are we really trying to accomplish here? Um, uh, are we, you know, and some, some people look at it and say, hey, we're trying to have them understand our product. Well, why don't we try and have them get to know us um, and, uh, and make, it a, make it personal? Because at the end of the day, they're going to buy from uh, somebody they trust, okay? Because you have two basic motivations, you know, fear and greed. And the buyer's got both of those um, on there. They've got a certain level of fear um, and a certain level of, when I use the word greed, you know, motivation to do great things for the company. Mm -hmm. Um, So upside rather than, hey, wait a minute, I got to be careful because this could kill my career. And I've seen it kill people's career by going in the wrong direction and um, and uh, and doing it. So I think you've got to build trust. You said, um, do we see this more today than before? I think we see it more in a struggling economy and we see it more in a rapidly changing technologies, right? If you take the unified communications umbrella, yeah. Every day, there's a new company being funded in the unified communications arena, and um, you know ha, ha, the un, the customer. How do they how do they navigate through that uh, through that you know uh, that environment? Well, and, and especially when everything looks the same. As a marketer, it's so quickly to say, "Okay, I put words up on my website," and five days later, 10 days later, you, everybody sounds the same. Everybody's got the same features, functionality. So that no longer differentiates. But going back to the core and the foundation, I find that you very rarely or ever buy from either a company or a person that you don't like or you don't trust. Right. No, no question about it. Well, and 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 the like part is, you know, I could like you, but I think you don't know what you're talking about. That's why I say it's the person who understands the most about their product, what I want to accomplish. And then on top of it, if they've managed to build a, a close relationship um, and build trust, um, then they're going to get the, the deal. Um, if it's, so it's got to be both, right? You got to have you got to have a great product. You don't necessarily have to have the best product, but you have to have a great product in order to win, and um, in order to get the the customer to um, uh, you know to want to partner with you, right? And again, if we go back to the 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 definition that I used, you know, a vendor you have to manage, a partner you expect to manage themselves. So if I don't have trust. How, how can I expect you to manage yourself? Right. It's no. it, it, it's that simple. Um, and, and then, like you said, why do I need another vendor? Why do I need somebody else to manage and, and that I have to deal with in another headache? Right. And no question. No question about it. Absolutely. So to get a little more on the personal side and to let our listeners know a little bit more about Vin, take me back. You're, you're in Pleasanton, California, so you're local, but, uh, Take me back to kind of your past, how you got to be where you're at and, and kind of the journey you went on. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, I consider myself a sales and marketing guy, Tim. Um, 
uh, and I was really a sales guy predominantly um, uh, up until um, uh, BMX. And so I was, you know, in my, I want to say, wait, mid thirties. Um, yeah, I had been a sales um, uh, individual for national accounts. I had been a sales manager. I'd been a sales VP, chief revenue officer. Um, and um, in a, in a company that um, actually it was at BMX public company where I was an officer um, marketing didn't really do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and my feeling is marketing's job is to point sales job is to execute. So I complained constantly to the CEO about marketing. And finally he said, okay, then you do it. <laughs> and so, um, I was, uh, I was taken out of sales and given the chief marketing officer responsibility. Um, and, uh, you know, really started to, uh, understand that, how you have to uniquely differentiate anything you're trying to trying to do um, in that in that area. So, you know, with those sales and marketing skills, I had been a CEO uh, prior uh, to that, but I ended up um, uh, becoming a CEO um, uh, again of uh, originally IBR company um, and uh, and. Then um, became a then joined uh, uh, Lucent Technologies and uh, as part of that whole thing, then went back to becoming a CEO in early two thousands, um, and then we sold that company. So you know, I've I've had I've had two runs where it was the longest run that I had. And in both cases, I joined a tiny little company that ended up being wildly successful, but over a 10 year span of time mm-hmm. um, and venture funded um, uh, companies uh, in that, uh, in that arena. Um, you know, uh, in 2014, um, we started help you win because we knew a lot of VCs and, um, and we knew that companies had uh, inflection points at which, they needed to determine, and I coined the phrase, a right to live. Yep. And, um, and my definition of that is in order for a company to be successful, it has to have a great idea. You know, think Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be the right time. You know, you look at the grocery business that started, you know, 20 years ago that went bust and now everybody's buying their groceries online. So mm-hmm. timing is important. You got to have a great product or service. It has to be for a market that you understand and that is accepting and a good team of people and a long enough runway. And so, you know, I've spent the last uh, 10 years or so being inserted into organizations to help the venture uh, folks determine should we put more money in this? Um, you know, and, and you, and you start with, well, let's go back to the idea because the company might've pivoted three times since they originally invested in, in it. So, um, you know, I, I try and avoid, uh, jumping back into a CEO role, um, only because 
I don't want to spend my life on airplanes, although we've been talking about technology here that, you know, you don't have to spend that much time. Um, but I, I consider myself, um, I, I enjoy, you know, getting involved in, uh, in things that have gone awry uh, to, you know, to try and help the team. Um, and the investors, uh, you know, figure out what makes sense. Um, so it's not always a popular place to be. Um, I haven't had anybody shoot at me yet, but, you know, could be. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and we've had a lot of success. Um, you know, we've helped, uh, we've helped some management teams, um, you know, convince their um, investors that they should continue to do the, do the same. So, uh but I, I would say, Tim, I'm a sales and marketing guy who um, understands uh, people and um, understands, um, you know, hopefully how best to hire them and build a team and motivate people. Um, and uh, because I think you want to come to work every day with a smile on your face and enjoy what you're doing, um, no matter how many hours you have to put in in order to uh, do that. Yep. Well, in my experience working with you, Ben, you have been a mentor. You have been a motivator. Um, as I said in the intro, you've been somebody that uh, has made an impact on on my professional career. So it's been fun to to learn more about your journey. So take me back. You're just graduating college, knowing what you know now. What's what's some introspective? What's some advice for yourself? Well, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I have two boys that are in their early thirties and, and a grandson that's, uh, uh, just off to college. So I can relate to him. I can relate to your, uh, uh, to your question and, and a daughter who's just become a CEO. Congratulations. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, she and I have something in common because we are the first multi-generational CEOs to be funded by NEA. Um, and, uh, she's in the biotech bioscience, uh, area and, and I think they raised $85 million. So, uh, and a shout out to her company. What's the name real quick, uh, just in case we have some listeners. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. So, uh, (laughs) uh, Aviato, uh, biosciences, um, headquartered out of the UK. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I would say. You know, if you're just if you're just coming out of school, first of all, I think sales is always a great um, learning experience. Um, uh, and uh, as as a matter of fact, if I use my daughter as an example, who's now in her early fifties, a good example. Uh, you know, she went to work for Big Pharma mm-hmm. um, in sales. Few people make the bridge to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's great background in that, uh, in that, in that arena, I would say you got to do something you love and, um, and, uh, that you're passionate about. Um, and, uh, uh, because, you know, college just adds a level, hopefully of maturity, um, you know, education, but, you know, more maturity than, uh, than anything else. So, uh, you know, I would say find something that, you're passionate about, uh, hopefully that pays well. <laughs> you could be passionate about it, but it doesn't pay well. Then, but everybody's everybody marches to a different drum, Tim. You know, yep. um, 
you, you know, you uh, you want you want people to be happy in in what they're doing, and and not everybody is not everybody's motivated by money. Um, you know, uh, I had a I had a team of fifty engineers when I was at Lucent in the UK, and I went there and said, okay. I want to understand what motivates, you know, highly talented engineers. And um, 49 of them basically said the same thing, which was, we want to do meaningful things. We want to, we want to work on things that interest us. One person said, I want to make a, I want a Ferrari, but you know, that was one out of 50 that, that said that. So I think, you know, you, you've got to, you know, and again, as a parent and, and, you know, as a grandparent, um, you, you want, you want people to make their own choice and their own decision and their own lifestyle. Um, and what, what I might want them to do, um, you know, to, uh, uh you know, from a, uh, from a business standpoint may not be what they want to do. So it's, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's just an opportunity to, uh, to get people on the, you know, on the right track, you, you know, yeah. One more thought I have for you, Tim, and that is whenever we brought in interns um, to various companies, uh, I would always want to meet the interns and I would go around a room and I would shake hands with each of the interns. And, um, and what I found fascinating was no one had taught them uh, that people interpret their handshake from a confidence standpoint. And if the handshake is not firm, and so I would, so we talk about teaching people, if you will, emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. as simple as a handshake, um, would go around a room and, and, and again, especially with um, women have a tendency to have a, 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 a and again, a little lighter handshake sometimes. Right. And, okay. uh, and so I would go around and say, squeeze my hand. And, um, and, uh, and then, and then come back and, and generally go back into that room a second time and shake everybody's hand. And, you know, it was a learning experience that no one had ever taught them. And I, I do that to kids that are as young as six or seven years old when, you know, when we're going to shake hands and I said, okay, now come on, give me a handshake here. Because again, (laughs) we're talking about what feeling somebody gets, what, what reaction somebody gets um, a handshake as simple as that is. And now that we're able to touch each other uh, again, uh, you know, is, is important. So I, I think, you know, you could start with uh, a handshake to get people to understand somebody's going to read you based on this physical interaction, just like they're going to read you based on this physical reaction. And, you know, and those things I think are critically important. And you and I both know you go, you go meet people in an office. Uh, and I, you know, there was a couple of people I would avoid shaking hands with because they would kill me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of a show of confidence, or at least mentally we're thinking, wow, that person really gave me nothing. Um in that in that arena so again you know real basic kinds of things but things that can be very meaningful and and uh and leave an impression yeah well a true lesson in intention right i mean i think it's 
it's the same. You said statements that mean the same or different, but same words and, and how, how they can mean something so different. If you just very quickly shake someone's hand and, and pass on by, you're not giving them that intentionality in that time. And right. I think, you know, very similar to the, we've all as sellers been in the situation where someone goes, well, yeah, send me the pricing. And that sounds completely different and means something completely different as a buyer than, you know, Vin, I'm really interested in working on this with you. Send me some pricing. Right. It's yeah. a whole different read, but the same words are the same interaction just off that little bit of intention. Well, and then, and then you know, Tim, I think, you know, culturally, because um, I've done business all over the world, do you then have the cultural differences, uh, you know, in that, uh, in that arena? Um, and, and if we got time, I'll, I'll, I'll share yeah. one just so, uh, so kind of look at it and say, how does that play into it? Um, so way, way back in the seventies, um, I don't want to tell you how old I am, but I'm old. Um, <laughs> I, I sold, um, uh, a computer to a, uh, one of the largest Japanese trading companies in the world, um, large computers. Um, and, uh, when I first met with the folks, um, and gave them a proposal. They said, um, well, this is great. Uh, we'll, um, we'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, great. So I called them about 30 days later and said, how's it going? And they said, um, oh, it's going great. I said, really, what have you heard? We haven't heard anything. It's going great. You haven't heard anything. <laughs> um, Gary. Okay. Yeah. He said, call me in another month. Called him in another month. How you doing? Oh, we're really doing great. Really? What What have you heard? Nothing. I said, "Wow, that just doesn't compute for me." Um, so I stopped calling him. And about uh, a month later, um, a fellow Ken called me and said, um, "Hey, we got your order ready to be picked up." I I almost fell off the floor because I was like, I "Thought it was dead." Yeah. I, and so what I learned was that, um, and this was, you know, 40 years ago, uh, in Japan, no news is good news is good news. Mm -hmm. Um, in America, no news is bad news. Right. And so, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, that was a early interaction to kind of understand the different cultural things that play into building a relationship. Right. And, and uh, you know, if we, if we look at it by American standards, I would say even British standards, um, no news is bad news, you know, no, no news. Yeah. Is, no news it's is the scariest thing in a forecast. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> right. So, so that was a, uh, you know, so learning the, the cultural end of it, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, reading people. And I think you can read people, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, in a lot of, uh, it, it, you know, more easily if, if you have a homogeneous culture um, and uh, then, um, you know, then, then anything else, but it's just an example of um, you've got to be, you've got to be alert. I'll, I'll finish that Japanese yeah. trading company story with, um, the fellow who brought me in and kept telling me things were great. Well, after we sold them and implemented it, he said, I want you to meet 
you know, the head guy. Um, and uh, at the time they were in the World Trade Center and um, I go in there and I meet the head GM and I'm telling him what a fascinating company he has and everything else. I'm talking to him for about four or five minutes and we leave there and the fellow who brought me in said, you know, Ben, I forgot to tell you, he doesn't understand any English at all. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, I was wondering why he didn't respond, but, uh, you know, just, um, just interaction with people. Right. I mean, you know, uh, so we assume we're speaking the same language. Um, and, uh, and you know, that, you know, uh, I could read his positive feelings. I could read his vibrations. He was smiling a lot, but never heard a word I said. Um, so, uh, there you go. Great, great lesson there. And before we close it out, I want to make sure everyone can get in touch with you. So what is the best way to get in touch with you, Vin? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, visit our website at help you win. It's help you win.net H E L P the letter U W I N.net. Um, and, uh, and my email is first name dot last name at help you win.net. So, um, you know, love to, if you have a crisis, uh, and you, um, uh, and you want to, and you want somebody to tell you the truth, um, uh, we'll see if we can have some time together. Hey, well, Vin, thank you so much for joining me on the B2B EQ podcast. Thank you so much, Tim. Good good luck. And uh, you're doing great things over there. Hey, thank you very much. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of B2B EQ. This will be everywhere you can find your podcast as well as on LinkedIn. Vin, I can't wait to share some of your mic drop moments and clips with the uh, with the audience. This has been a lot of fun. And if you've learned something today, tell somebody about this podcast. Vin, thank you again. This is another exciting episode of B2B EQ, and we'll see you next time. My pleasure, Tim. We hope you enjoyed this episode of B2B EQ. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and follow the podcast for more exciting insights. To learn more about the value of EQ and the technology powering today's conversations, visit us at unifor.com.